Hello. <laughs> Sorry, Welcome I'm taking back. another call. <laughs> And I'm Harry. And this is A for Effort. The show where we each bring three words or terms or phrases based on a single theme, and then the other person's got to guess what they mean. <laughs> and we definitely release every other week. <laughs> every other week, just for you. <laughs> I don't remember who went first last, and I did not who write can? it down. <laughs> so... Uh, would you like to go first? I would love your to go first. To All right, I'll excellent. present my terms to you, yes. Excellent, great. And then I'll present mine second. Ha. Yes, perfect. Ha. <laughs> my theme this week uh-huh. is the economics of human migration. Great. Uh, because this that week very in the... It, it is. This week in The Economist, there was an amazing special report on mm-hmm. migration, which was just really good. Okay, and cool. And I really enjoyed. Got and it. it inspired me. Term number one. Dual labor market theory. Okay. So the theme is the economics of migration. Yes. And then the term is dual labor market theory. Yes. Well, you said market theory, but it could be dual labor market theory. Uh, Or it could be dual labor market theory. Or it could be (laughs) dual labor market theory. (laughs) Okay. Noted. So many potential hyphens. (laughs) There's no hyphen in the way I have it written down. (laughs) Okay. I've misspelled it completely, but there's no hyphen. Dual labor market theory. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if I'm just out of practice, but I feel like this is a dense <laughs> it could, term. I, I honestly felt like this was an easier one. <laughs> and I worry for the other terms. <laughs> Maybe I picked two weirdly dense and dusty a topic. Okay. Dual two. Labor nice. markets, um, labor is work, True. and a market is where goods and services are exchanged for other goods, services, capital, etc. So a labor market is, I guess, a place where people exchange labor for generally uh, capital or other goods. Um, so dual labor market theory, is it the idea that... I don't know, people who are going to migrate. you got two labor markets, maybe the one that they currently exist in, and -hmm. then other comparison markets. And then if the market is better in another area, that will will prompt migration? Basically, yes. Okay. So it's a model of human migration, which states that one of the primary forces um, which leads to migration is a difference in labor market situations so exactly if there's um not a lot of jobs where you live but there are a lot of jobs somewhere else or if they pay more then you're likely to move cool so i mean to summarize dual labor market theory is a model that stipulates people are motivated to migrate by more job opportunities elsewhere or yeah or better yeah better job just a, a, a an advantageous difference in the labor market in a different country cool yeah that's easier to understand than more job opportunities. <laughs> yeah, thank you for simplifying. Sorry, I got <laughs> caught up in the jargon. <laughs> All right. Good. Well done. Now we move on to the second term. Okay. Term number two. <laughs> static gains. Okay, well, uh, static as opposed to dynamic, so uh, not moving. 
and gains as opposed to losses. <laughs> trying to use antonyms <laughs> to shed light. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> okay, yes, static gains. So gains uh, has to do with getting <laughs> more <laughs> or better. Of something. <laughs> <laughs> so static gains with respect to the economics of migration. Um, does it have something to do with inflation? And so how you're gaining something, you could be gaining something technically no. in that you're being paid more, but it doesn't match the rate of inflation. I hear that you've already said no. I just want to explain <laughs> what I meant. Sorry. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Static gains. Um, does it have to do uh, with maybe you move to a new place and you've made gains in certain areas of life but other areas have uh not <laughs> made gains or have like dropped down in quality so you've made gains but your overall status kind of feels static no okay it's more it is about when one person moves to another country <laughs> and the economics of that yeah. <laughs> um but it's more about um it's static in the sense that it is not about the effects on other things or institutions. Related to the first term, there mm -hmm. is some economic mm -hmm. effect. Incentive. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which would be that they... I'm trying to s say this sentence really slowly <laughs> so that at some point you jump in. They <laughs> make more... <laughs> Money? Yes. <laughs> So, so the they, value <laughs> uh -huh. of their labor uh -huh. is Goes higher. Up. <laughs> yeah. Is more. Is, is gain. <laughs> Wait, so they are moving to a new place and they just want to move to a new place. They want to move somewhere. Or the incentive to move to the new place is that they will be paid more for the same amount of labor? It's not It's not about their incentive. Static gain okay. is just a description of... Um, statistically, a person who moves from a developing country to a developed country mm -hmm. will, um, if they're doing the same job, the value of that labor will be 10 times more. Okay. But the static gain is in how that they make more money. Okay. <laughs> so so they, <laughs> someone moves to a new place and makes more money, and that's the static gain, that they're yes. making more money? Yep. In that a new a, place? That is a static gain. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm not sure I understand, but... What's annoying <laughs> is that it's like that's just it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like a description of that phenomenon. Okay. Of the phenomenon of moving and then making more money in a new place. Yeah. Okay. So now that you have a grasp on that one, my third term <laughs> is dynamic gain. I yeah, okay. Great. So but now that you... I have a tenuous grasp on the theme and the last term, <laughs> <laughs> we can move on to the third term. Okay. Um. Dynamic game. Uh -huh. <laughs> Could be more about that. <laughs> I think it was appropriate to be concerned <laughs> about the, the second and third terms. <laughs> um, dynamic game. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so something to do with their connection to larger institutions. So someone moves to a new place, and so let's let's put it like this: if everyone on if there were no borders, yep, apparently according to a study, global GDP would be double 
because all the people who could move and increase the value of their labor and therefore be more productive would be able to. The gains um, from a lack of borders would come, number one, in static gains. Those people would make more money. Mm-hmm. And they would also come in dynamic gains. Dynamic gains. So the static gain is the person moving and then making more money in a new place. And the dynamic gain is just the overall increased productivity of the economy <laughs> because yeah, they can do that work in a new place. And so then it's generating like more m- money overall. Uh. <laughs> Basically, yes. Okay. <laughs> so the dynamic gains are uh-huh. kind of the, the feedback loop. Mm-hmm. It, you know, they contribute to greater amount of growth, and then that contributes to et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the, the, the larger, more generative <laughs> effect of it. Okay, so um, do, to, to summarize all three, try and create some sort of coagulated picture. Mm. Dual labor market theory postulates that economic incentives guide decisions to move. And then some of those economic considerations would be static gains, which is when you as an individual move and then your labor is compensated at a higher rate in the new place. Mm -hmm. So you are making more money. And then dynamic gains, which is the idea that you moving to that new place and being able to fill some sort of niche in the market is making more money for everyone because you're increasing whatever the rate of production in that new place and then the government can tax you from that and then put that into programs for other people and etc. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, that is the end of round one. All right, round two. My theme this week is data science. Oh, cool. My first term is mm. data wrangling. Data wrangling. Is that kind of just a, like a gaining data in a more active way? Um, no. no. It is usually... it to do with organizing data? Yeah. Um, it's a specific way you organize data in a wrangly kind of way. <laughs> if I were to describe mm-hmm. my impression of wrangling, okay. would that help me yes. understand? Probably. So, to me, wrangling is like mm-hmm. on a ranch mm-hmm. with a rope, mm-hmm. like wrangling a cow. You kind of do one of those ropes with a loop at the end, and you throw them at the cow. <laughs> a, a lasso. A, a lasso. lasso, yes. Yeah, so I think that the metaphor... Um, is it the kind wrangling? of aligning them and moving them in a direction? No, it has more to do with the effort metaphor, I think. Like, wrangling a cow is not easy or something, you know, because... It doesn't want to be wrangled. Data wrangling is like putting effort into organizing data in a way that makes sense out of otherwise very nonsensical data. Yeah, I would say that's it. Yeah, so it's tidying and transforming your data to get it into a workable form. Because you get a data file and it has like error entries or something, right? Like someone accidentally put negative one. Where there should have been a zero, that would be difficult to do, frankly. <laughs> yeah, active mistake. <laughs> well, sometimes, sometimes it's like certain people code um, non-response is ninety-nine, and then you download your data, and you're like, "This is a scale from one to seven, and the mean is 60. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they code it as ninety-nine? I don't know. Um, yeah, so that is data wrangling. So data wrangling is putting the effort into organizing. And kind of harmonizing 
data so that mm. it's kind of legible and usable. Correct. Cool. Next is overplotting. Overplotting. Is mm-hmm. that putting too many data points in a sample or something? That can't be true. Surely <laughs> the more the better. Yes. Yeah, so in general, maybe for making an inference, the more the better. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily mm-hmm. the case that it's more data points are worse for your inference or the strength of your inference so much as it is that they can make it hard for you to make the inference in the first place right all i can think of is that it's too many points on your Mm -hmm. track so that it's hard to actually but even when there's loads you can still kind of draw the the mean or something can't you that's very close so i'll just say it which is that it's specific to graphing and it's when you have too many points for a given graph size Mm -hmm such that the points overlap and so you can't actually see oh the oh so it's like literally overplot. it's literally like visual a visual issue exactly exactly so oh wow oh that's cool let's say i have on the x-axis it's a scale from one to ten it's very mm-hmm. visual for a podcast and the y-axis it's one to ten and there's mm-hmm. usually like a one to one point thing so yes. there's one point that's at x equals 1 and y equals 1 and there's one point at x equals 2 and y equals 2 right you mm-hmm. see what i'm saying yep. and then it's like there are a hundred points at x equals three, y equals three, and then one mm-hmm. at x equals four, y equals four, one at x equals five, y and et cetera. Yes. You wouldn't necessarily be able to see that there's a huge cluster in your data, which is x equals three, y equals three. Because all of those points are plotted right on top of each other. Right. And so that's overplotting. And so you can deal with that in a couple of different ways. So you could make the size of points correspond to the number of points per that area. Mm, you could also yes. make um, points slightly translucent so that the more there are in a given location, the more they sort of add up to be more yeah. solid. Or you could add a small amount of random error to the placement of each point just for the purpose of visualization so that mm. they move a little bit all in different ways. And so then instead of just all being stacked right on top of each other, they would fan out a bit and you would see that it was sort of a blob. Very cool. Overplotting is when you have too many points on your graph such that it is hard to tell what's going on. Agreed. And my last term Mm -hmm. is camel case. Camel case. And it has to do with variable naming. (laughs) Okay, so what are the the things about a camel? It has humps. Mm -hmm. It can hold a lot of water. (laughs) That's that's important. (laughs) It doesn't need to drink that much. It lives in the desert. (laughs) Are any of these things important? Yes. Which? (laughs) (laughs) That it has humps. Uh, That it has humps? Yeah. What was the term again? Camel case. Camel case. Yeah. Um, And it's about naming variables? Mm Mm-hmm. I think it will be helpful to say that sometimes you write letters that are uppercase and sometimes you write letters that are lowercase. Oh, is camel case uppercase? Uh, Nope. uh, (laughs) Is it lowercase? (laughs) <laughs> no, but I'm just trying to get you in the in the mindset of being like, oh, that's the that's the sense in which case is being used. Oh, okay, camel case. It's a kind of case of variable naming, mm-hmm. like upper or lower case, and it's to do with the hump. Is it an M? No, I don't know. Is it kind of an up and down <laughs> uh-huh. case? Yeah, yeah, it's sort of. So it's camel case where things are either upper or lower. Case? No, both upper and lower are used. Maybe you have a, a variable name that is multiple words. Mm-hmm. And you want to distinguish between those words. With spaces? 
No, because you can't use spaces are often not accepted with camels. <laughs> you well, say so that's word, actually a key camel word, camel that's a, word. <laughs> that's a key. <laughs> <laughs> That's a key point because spaces, camel case, and uh, other varieties of cases. variable, other yeah, other varieties of cases exist in things like data science or coding because spaces are not acceptable, not accepted characters in names. So is camel case when you're using a name that's multiple words and you mm-hmm. separate the words with a, a uppercase thing and it looks like a camel because it's kind of a humped word situation? It is that. Cool. Isn't that fun? That is. I, I like that a lot. I feel very excited that you just got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite term of the episode. I know. Same. Oh, you didn't like static gains? <laughs> Listen, static gain is a close second. <laughs> Yeah, another such variety of case is called snake case, and that's mm-hmm. when you separate the words with underscores. Uh, so it's all like low yes. to the ground or something. I don't yes. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. fun. I'm glad all these data scientists are having fun. <laughs> Great. All right, so those are my terms. That is the end. Yeah, round two. I have my scores ready. Are your scores ready? My scores are ready. Are your scores ready? Uh, my scores are not ready. I'll just need 20 minutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Classic. Do you want to go first? <laughs> I would love to go first. For a dual labor market theory, I gave you five out of five. Oh, uh, thank you. For static gains, I gave you two out of five. Mm, appropriate. <laughs> and for dynamic gains, I gave you four out of five. Uh, generous. With a grand total of 11 out of 15. All right. Excellent. For data wrangling, I gave you five out of five. For oh, thank you. Over plotting, I gave you three out of five. Oh, thank you. And for camel case, I gave you a lowercase five out of an uppercase five. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a camel. <laughs> if you would like to learn more about data science, I am currently making my way through a textbook called R for Data Science by Garrett Grolmond and Hadley Wickham. Uh, you can buy a version of that, but it's also available online for free in a very easy-to-read format called Bookdown. I would highly recommend it, and I will place the link to that in the show notes. And it's from there that I took data wrangling and overplotting, and I believe that they also write about uh, snake case, or they name snake case, but I chose camel case because... Um, I know that from my days minoring in computer science, and I actually kind of mm. prefer camel case because it saves keystrokes because I mm. can just yes. press shift letter instead of shift hyphen to make an underscore and then the letter. Anyways, <laughs> so yeah, I will put the link to the textbook in the show notes. Yep, great. Very good. If you'd like to learn more about human migration... Mm-hmm. And to read a very positive case for allowing it, you can read the special report on migration in this week's issue of The Economist. Right. And if you would like to get a subscription of The Economist, put in the code <laughs> EFFORT and you will get nothing off. <laughs> and you will get an error saying, <laughs> yeah. no code found. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. A for Effort is hosted and produced by me, Mairead. And me, Harry. And edited by me, Mairead. But sometimes, but not me, Harry. <laughs> yeah. Our 
illustrator is Marielle Wall, and you can see their work on our Instagram at A for Effort Cast. And you can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, etc., 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 wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to get into contact with us, you can send us an email at aforeffortcast at gmail.com. <laughs> and other than that, we'll be back in two weeks. See you then. Bye. Bye. <laughs>